I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coming up for the first time in five years, the Cavs are back in the NBA playoffs and coming off a win in game two on Tuesday night. Cavs are back to even with the Knicks as their first round series shifts to New York this weekend. And you know who else is back? We are. For the first time in 10 months, it's the nail in the coffin, part of the world famous Evergreen Podcast Network. The nail in the coffin! Hi, Trav. It's been a little while since we've done one of these things. How you been, man? Buddy, doing doing very well. That's an understatement. <laughs> I've had a few people ask us, like, you guys, uh, you guys ever going to do another one? And it's it just feels like one of those things. Life has sort of interfered quite along the way. But uh, great to get back talking with you, buddy. Uh, I feel much the same. And, you know, if there was ever a time for us to finally get back to it, uh, I figured, you know, with the, the Cavs actually uh, playing some playoff basketball here, and now's as good a time as any. And uh, I, I, I got to start with uh, a story from Tuesday. So I would say I've, I, I feel very fortunate to have gone to a lot of Cavs playoff games over the years. But Tuesday night for me is one that I'm really going to hold on to for a long, long time. Um, so, you know, my wife and I have gone, uh, to playoff games over the years, but Tuesday was the first time we brought our daughter along with us and seeing her light up at how just crazy that atmosphere was and just being fully locked in. Um, it was just a really cool dad moment and the Cavs handling their business and blowing the Knicks out certainly helped, obviously. But I know your little guy is probably a few years away from it, but I'm telling you, when when that day comes, it's fantastic. Yeah, I can believe it. I'm One of the first times I took – well, actually, it was the first time I took uh, Sean and my wife to a game um, was a playoff game. It would have been – it was a game against the Bulls, and I don't remember one of the first seasons when LeBron came back. Um, and she was blown away by the, like the excitement and the energy in the arena. And it, you can go to a lot of regular season games and regular season games can be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it doesn't compare to a playoff game. So like that environment is, I can only imagine, like, I'm, I'm sure you guys were having a great time and it being able to see that sort of excitement in your daughter living through that, especially for the first time as uh, I'm sure pretty incredible and the fact that yeah they uh they put on that type of performance those games are always fun to see live as well yeah that was i mean it's exactly right what you said in terms of like that difference between going to a regular season game versus a playoff game because we've taken her to some regular season games over the last few years and it's fun And they're fun yeah Yeah. they're fun they're a good time sure 
Yeah, she has a good time. It's like, you know, can we get popcorn? Sure. Can we hit the su- souvenir shop on the way out? Yeah, fine. Um, and, you know, you she'll watch leave, the... <laughs> leave in the third quarter. Like, you don't feel like you have to stay. You don't have to sit there and watch the whole thing. There's not... You're not attached to your seat. But in the playoffs, it's it's always... The one thing that I always feel like is watching a playoff game live, you're as invested and you're, like, you're watching with the people next to you who you have no idea who they are you've never met these people in your life and you're all there for like the same reason it feels very it's it's just it's a completely different experience than a regular season game it's funny you mentioned that actually because you know Cassidy was sitting on one side of me on the other side of me were these two random guys about our age and they were both from Chicago just in town for business and grab tickets at the last minute because they wanted to go see a playoff game. And, you know, they were kind of asking me for like the crash course on what's going on with the Cavs this year. And they're like, oh yeah, we're, we're in for a night. Yeah. We're, we're cheering for the Cavs. Let's go. And, you know, we were going back and forth um, all night. And, you know, by the time we left, Michelle asked me, she's like, where do you know those guys from? I'm like, I don't. <laughs> they're in from out of town from, on business. And we I just became buddies that. over I know last, from that time they sat next to me at a cafe. Yeah, that's right. The, the last two and a half hours, <laughs> we just became pals. So, um, yeah, you know, it was just you know, telling Cassie going into it. I'm like, hey, this is going to be a little different than what you've ever, you know, experienced. She's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And, you know, we get there. They got the shirts on the seats. Oh, cool. I get a free T-shirt. and Oh, and I get a rally towel, too. That's, that, that's fun. And I'm like, all right, we got to put the shirts on. You know, it's like seven sizes too big for her. And I'm wearing a hoodie, so it's too small for me. You know, we we, we made it work. And, uh, you know, we're, we're from the opening tip locked in. And she was, uh, you know, with it the whole way, which was uh, which was awesome. And, um, you know, it, it really, I, I think just in general with family, there's something really cool about what the playoffs does. I, I'm a bit of an outlier, I would say, within my family. I, you know, my parents, um, you know, the misses, they like the Cavs, and maybe they'll passively, you know, keep an eye on things. But I'm the sicko that's watching them, you know, the last few years when they were in the lottery. And, you know, I'm running the simulations on Tankathon trying to see, like, what draft picks we could be getting. Um, you know, so I, I, I've been through the dregs, and to see like how they all have started to really get invested with this team. You know, I, I mean, like Michelle was asking me the other night, like, all right, who's this Garland guy? I got to know about Darius Garland. I love this guy. He's awesome. We, I, I need a Darius Garland shirt. It's like, that's her new guy. The day after that, my dad's calling me and he, my dad is not an NBA guy at all, but he's like, what are you doing for the game on Friday? We got to watch. And you know, this afternoon, my mom's texting me like, Hey, how do I buy playoff tickets for game five next week? And I'm like, where have these conversations been for the last five years? Oh, we haven't had playoffs. So here we go. So um, I, honestly, I think more than any other sport, basketball is it's subject to how good the team is, how interested people will be. Um, NFL is obviously its own thing. Like, People are going to support the Browns and whatever team, no matter what. Baseball, I feel like people will still watch and go to a baseball game because it's summer and it's great to go see a game and that's just a thing people do and this, that, and the other thing, right? Basketball is very much 
if the team is very good, people will come around. Yeah. If the team, you know, if, if it's a lottery team, people are probably going to say, okay, tell me when they're good. Right. So I, and my family's the same way. Like my dad is not, my dad's not a huge sports guy in general, but he gets into sports when the teams are good. He'll talk to me about Ohio state all the time because he knows that that's like the, the one that he follows closely, but yeah, he, he's the same way. He's like, who, like, who do I need to know? Who are the guys that are like good on this team? That's like, well, there's actually quite a few. It's funny yeah. you should ask because it's not just LeBron and and four random guys like it has been in the past, you know? Yeah. Um, I, so it's 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 a completely different way. I think it's and we've had this conversation before, I know, on on the podcast. It's it's interesting to watch this team be pretty fucking good and have a good time watching them in the playoffs. While for the first time in 25 years, they're playing playoff games and it doesn't feel like it's championship or bust. Right. For all the LeBron years, that was really the only cool ending that was imaginable, right? Anything else would feel like it was a disappointment. And that's in hindsight, that's maybe unfair, but um, especially the second stint when he came back, right? When we were playing the Warriors in the, in the finals every year, this is the first one. It's like, you can kind of level set expectations, not to say that they're going to be happy if they lose in the next round or whatever it is, but it's a different, and in my opinion, it's kind of, it's a more fun way because with LeBron, the, the curve was so steep in terms of expectations. It wasn't like, you know, win a playoff series this year, then, you know, maybe make to the, the conference finals next year. And if you make to the finals after that, you're growing, right? It was like, okay, this is he's it's his third, fourth year in the season in the league, and he's already the best player in the world. Go win a championship. And right. anything less felt like a disappointment. Whether it should have or not, you know, that's up for debate. But um seeing this team sort of develop and grow and, and knowing that no, this is it, who knows how big the window is, and I hate looking at things in terms of a window, but this is still early, right? It's not this team's not the best it's going to ever be. So it's, right. it's good to see them and root for them now and see they're going to take some lumps like they did in game one. You know, it wasn't a great performance by anyone other than um, Donovan Mitchell, uh, but it's still exciting. You can see that sort of that trajectory and you can gauge your expectations, but also have relatively high expectations in my opinion, where you know, we want them to look good. We want them to win. I think right now the general mindset is we want to beat the Knicks. We think we're better than the Knicks. We should beat the Knicks. Past that, we're going to go against the Bucks, and that's going to be – that could be a tall order. Yeah. So let's just enjoy this Knicks series while we can. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm not going to say that it's a failure if they don't beat the Bucks. I don't want them to lose to the Bucks, but – and not to get the cart so far ahead of the, the horse here, but – um, it's just a different mindset going into the uh, playoffs, considering all the LeBron years where the mindset was, okay, let's get to the finals and see if we can win that. Yeah, I think there was one year with Le- LeBron in the first LeBron era. So it was his Maybe third Maybe the first, year. like. Yeah, his third years, season yeah. in the league was the first time the Cavs made the playoffs. That was the 2006 playoffs. And winning a first-round series against Washington – was a big deal, and then they took the Pistons to seven games, and 
that I think for most people was considered, you know, that was a pretty successful year. But yeah. the year after that, they knocked off the like, Pistons, okay. and that yep. was the LeBron, you know, 48-point game five, and they went to the finals, and yeah, like you said, it was a completely different set of expectations from there on out. And, you know, the other thing it goes back to is, um, you know, something else we've talked about on here in the past in just how important I think it is for the Cavs as a franchise to finally get that monkey off their back with the, you know, finally for the first time in 25 years being in the playoffs without LeBron. Without LeBron. Um, yeah. You've got literally an entire generation of fans here who have been conditioned to understand the Cavs or view the Cavs as with LeBron championship contender without him lottery team. And, you know, to see them finally build a really talented group with some really likable guys. And I think they're all 26 and younger. Yeah. All young, Um, like young, you know, that it's not like, there's no, there's no mercenaries, you know, there's not, you know, the guy that you traded for, knowing that he's going to be gone at the end of the season. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in that respect, it's, it's a, a big deal um, to be where we are. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, you know, let's talk about these first couple of games. Um, you know, I, Saturday, obviously uh, <laughs> tough sledding. I, I said, I think I texted you and John on, on Tuesday night at early on, so this is proper Eastern Conference basketball. It was uh, taking me back to like the uh, the Knicks Heat days of the uh, the mid '90s, with just ultra physical, um, you know, and, and that, uh, style of play, lower scoring, grinded out half court. And um, let me ask you this: taking a, a bigger picture view of these first two games as a whole. What have you seen that's gone according to plan in your book? And what has kind of surprised you so far with this series? Because there's definitely a few things that fall into the latter category for me. I'll say what I think has gone according to plan. Um, Having, I guess I, I don't know that I necessarily expected Garland to have the game that he had, but I expected Donovan Mitchell to be like the guy. And he mm-hmm. absolutely was in game one. We saw it in game two. I'm not going to say that he wasn't. He didn't need to be. Garland was cooking, right? He didn't. Donovan didn't have to jump in and take over. It was one of those things where, like, okay, this guy's got the hot hand. I don't need to do it. And then it was a blowout, right? So, like, I think what we got out of Donovan Mitchell has been exactly what we expected. Um, I'll say I'm more on the surprise side of things. Um, things that I, I don't think have gone according to plan. And I guess actually this probably is expected. The and we saw it more in game one. Obviously, it, it's hard to talk now because the two games were so different in terms of, of how sure. they went for the Cavs, right? Um in game one, we knew coming in that um offensive rebounding was going to be a thing that favored the Knicks. I don't know that I expected it to favor them that much. Like I, I can't remember the last time I yelled at my TV that many times get the fucking rebound and they didn't um like and i know that like that's something they're good at the knicks that's a strength of theirs right but god it was it was fucking brutal and painful to watch um it felt like 
Mitchell Robinson oh. was just everywhere. I think the Death box score said cocks. he only had eight rebounds or something like that, but every single one of them mattered. Yeah. And the thing about game one that I like, I came away from it somewhat optimistic because it was like, there were so many things that went wrong for the Cavs that were kind of like fluky, like a couple wide open layups got missed and um, a lot of wide open shots got missed. And um, Brunson was hitting these ridiculous shots that were defended incredibly well. Like, um, I'm like, okay, if they play like that and we play that bad, yeah, we're, we're going to struggle. And it was still an incredibly close game and they had the lead within you know two or three minutes left in the game. Right. Sure. So watching it, it was like, okay, I'm not going to freak out and overreact, but they better come out with their fucking hair on fire next game. And they did. Next game was a lot more fun in my opinion, <laughs> much more fun. Um, well, the thing is, um, you know, that second game, you mentioned coming out with your hair on fire. The first seven or eight minutes of that, I don't really know that they did. They didn't, Cavs didn't really they, take control of that game. No. Until they didn't, they didn't. They didn't come out. I felt like they came out matching them from like a, a hustle and physicality standpoint. It didn't no. show necessarily on the scoreboard. Obviously, it was only, you know, a three point game after one. Because uh, Levert hit, was it Levert hit three at the end of the first? I think, yes. right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, very tight game score-wise. But they were they were physical. They were hustling. They were not giving up. Like, it just didn't seem like those, those little, like, hustle plays were going against them. They weren't getting every break go against them like they were in game one. Um, so I felt good about that. One thing I'll say, like, everyone's – and Donovan Mitchell got a ton of credit because he was just on offense. He was playing incredible last game. I could not believe how well he was playing on offense simply because of how much and how hard he was working on defense. He was not like, he was not taking possessions off. He was running all over the place, chasing guys down. Um, Garland or Mitchell? Or Garland. Garland. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Garland was like, and you don't, Oh, you don't see that a lot of times. And I get why, like you need to have some legs on offense if your team's going to rely on you that heavily, but he was all over the place. And I thought all the guys were, but I think with Garland, it stood out the most because he's a guy that has, he's got just from his size, he's got some limitations in terms of what he can do defensively. Um, And it didn't matter. He was fighting through screens. He was doing all these things that a lot of times, you know, for, sake of preservation guys will just be like okay i'll switch on that screen instead of fighting through it and he was fighting through it like things like that stood out to me a lot um and then yeah he was just incredible on the offensive end as well and i thought that guys fed through that a lot like all of those guys fed off it everyone showed up to play the one thing that i think um it's it's what happened but i don't necessarily like it's the way that things worked out for the first two games and I don't necessarily know that I think it needs to be this way moving forward. If you're looking at the box scores in the two games, conventional wisdom might say, okay, like Okoro's done like for the series because they're way they played way better in game two when he didn't play at all. Um, I don't necessarily know that that's the case. I think this is one of those series where you're going to have to make different adjustments every game. What worked in game two isn't necessarily going to work in game three. Um, but yeah, it was it. it I expect them to look more like they looked 
in game two than game one for the rest of the series. Whether that means that they'll win is, you know, the next two of the next or three of the next five games, I don't know. But um, it was, it's, it's weird that you see teams work that hard on defense for an entire game. Yeah, there was so the, I, a, a few thoughts I had. Um, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty worried about what we saw out of Darius in game one for a couple reasons. It felt like the Knicks' size uh, bothered mm-hmm. him. They, in physicality, and he passed up some open shots. And it wasn't like he was really distributing particularly well either. I think he only finished game one with one assist. And he had no shot attempts in the first quarter of that, or in the fourth quarter of that game. It felt a lot like the play-in game from him last year, where I felt yeah, like he it, was just too timid. He was very like he was not yeah, the when, guy that when, we saw during the season. When he struggles, he is passing up open shots, mm-hmm. and somebody got into his ear. I think in the couple days in between games one and two, and said, "You need to pull the trigger." Um, he was way more assertive, way more willing to shoot. You need him shooting eight to 10 three pointers a game, even if they're not all going in and they mm-hmm. won't, you, you need to, you can't be passing up clean looks from the perimeter. Um, right. one of the biggest surprises to me was really what's happened with Okoro. Um, just from the perspective of, you know, when these teams met in the regular season, there were different injuries affecting both teams, I think, in each of the matchups. But um, over the last two times they played, um, I think it was the third matchup of the year, I think, Okoro did a great job of shutting down Jalen Brunson. And then the last time they met in the regular season, I think it was late March, Okoro didn't play. He had the knee issue and Brunson tore us apart. And all the analysis you're reading and, and listening to coming into the series was having Okoro available to neutralize Jalen Brunson is going to be so important. Um, and it really hasn't played out that way over these first couple of games. Uh, you know, on Tuesday night, Okoro picked up two fouls in less than three minutes Cavs took him out, you know, JB takes him out, brings in Karis LeVert, and it, you know, Cavs held their own at the defensive end, and, you know, I don't think Brunson had a particularly crazy offensive night, and meanwhile, it completely unlocked the Cavs offense, because you could see in that first game, I mean, there were a couple of times when the Cavs fed Okoro passes in the corner, and there was nobody within 15 feet of him, literally. And he couldn't knock down a shot. Now, he actually shot pretty well for, I'd say, the last half to two-thirds of the season. He got off to a terrible start this year. Um, he had that big game winner, I think, in uh, Brooklyn in March. Um, you know, so you would hope that if you, you know, he could come around here. And I still think the Cavs are going to need him in these you know, in the remainder of this series. Um, But, you know, once the Knicks felt like we don't have a guy that we can just ignore uh, at that end of the floor when the Cavs are on offense, 
you know, we actually have to cover five guys. It completely changed, you know, the spacing, gave the Cavs a, a whole lot more room to work with. Their guards were able to do more. And, you know, credit to Karis LeVert. I mean, I think that's kind of the book on him, right? He's, on him. You know, he's he's streaky. You know, you can have that game like game one where, you know, he can't throw a ball in the ocean standing on a pier. But then you get those other nights like game two. I mean, it it, it was almost – it reminded me in some ways of that game uh, the Cavs played back in like the first couple weeks of the season at Boston when LeVert went off for 40 points. Um, you know, when he gets hot, that changes everything for the Cavs. And that's a huge problem for the Knicks. Now, can Karis LeVert sustain that? For however many games are left in the series, who knows? Um, but uh, you know that that's going to be a big, big plot point to watch. I think in these games this weekend. Um, and you know the other thing that I got to say, I, I I give a lot of credit to JB Bickerstaff um, just for being willing to make some pretty serious changes from game one to game two. You know, I said you know hopefully we. Okoro kind of figures some things out and gets a shot back. Maybe gets a little bit more comfortable, you know, coming off the knee injury. Um, that's the problem with a series like this. You, you don't have the luxury of time to be figuring things out and playing your way back into shape and shaking off rust. You know, it's, it's do or die right now. And, you know, JB you know, made some pretty significant moves. I mean, he, he was willing to, you know, take Okoro out of the lineup and not go back to him once he saw what a difference it made on Tuesday in game two. You know, Ricky Rubio, it's another guy that um, has just, I mean, if we're being honest, has not been the same player this year that he was before the the, the big injury cut short a season last year. And I think the Cavs as an organization have been really hoping all year that Ricky Rubio would play himself into shape and, and finally come around. And, you know, he could be a veteran you could count on in the playoffs. And, and he just did not have it on Saturday. And you know, he, he was a, a DNP coach's decision in game two. Um, same thing with Dean Wade. It, it really sucks what's happened to Dean Wade this year. I thought he got off to a phenomenal start over the first couple months of the year. And then, um, go figure he gets injured by the Raptors. I feel like that happens <laughs> with somebody on the Cavs every time they play the Raptors. And unfortunately in early That's December, it was Dean Wade and he hasn't been really right since then. Um, you know, he didn't play. And meanwhile, Danny Green gets in. I was really surprised we didn't see him at all in game one. But he looked great. I feel like I feel like he's the guy like he's the opposite of Okoro. He's uh, the opposite of Ricky Rubio. You know, you, yeah. you, guy who's had some injuries this year and, you know, you just kind of hope that once the, the bright lights come on for the playoffs, he's going to, you know, show you up wonder, ready for though, showtime. Like, I mean, you wonder, though, what what can Danny Green really give you? Because he feels like a guy that when the Knicks are on offense, they're going to like they're going to run screens to get him on the ball constantly. And they and did that. Kenny they Cole tried Cole. to attack him, I feel like, in game two. Yeah, and... they did a great – I mean, they did a great job overall as a team, I think, breaking those, yeah. those types of things up. Yeah, I mean, um, Danny Green, he's going to be the guy that's going to be able to shoot when he's 60 years old. Um, he has a great fucking – he has a great fucking shot. Oh, it's beautiful. I love watching – I love watching him shoot the ball. 
it's it's fantastic and um you know the, the book on him is you could probably pick on him defensively although he held his own i mean if you look at the numbers yeah. i think i mean he, there were possessions where he even slid to the four and the knicks really were not able to take advantage now will they do a better job of scheming up something to uh, you know attack him differently if he plays you know game 3 game 4 i mean if Thibodeau is earning his money on the Knicks bench, then they should. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it's one of the things I thought, like, I saw someone, I don't know who it was, I saw someone, like, comment on Twitter or something that, like, Thibodeau doesn't seem at all concerned or, like, like he's thinking at all about what adjustments JB might make. And I was like, what? It's kind of arrogant i guess for a guy who hasn't ever really won anything himself either um but i mean uh, to your point i think one of the concerns is that jb is like or what people thought coming in was jb knows what he wants to do and he's going to just do that he's going to try to like make that work um come hell or high water and yeah he showed a lot of flexibility in the last game whether he does it again i think that's something that's important to like remember is like whatever worked last game, you can't just necessarily assume that that, that, that New York's not going to make any adjustments, that the, the things you did last, uh, last game are going to work again, right? So you have to be willing to spot those things as they come and make adjustments past that, right? Just because it worked last time doesn't mean it's going to work. Punch and counterpunch. Right, uh... exactly. And that's <laughs> going to be the whole series. I mean, I think, I think we should expect to see more of that, right? Like, just because they played you know, incredibly well without Coral giving them anything doesn't mean they can count on that being a recipe next time. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, the Cavs defensively, I thought did a really good job of harassing Brunson. Um, you know, one of the biggest uh, ovations I think on Tuesday night was for a Cavs defensive stand where um, I think it was, you know, can't remember what part of the game it was, but just shutting down Brunson and and trapping him and clearly getting him flustered. There was a few of those. Yeah, there was a few like more than you usually see, where it was just like just offensive um, possessions where New York just couldn't do anything. Yeah, like no matter where they got the ball, we had a guy, a guy or two there, um, and yeah, it was an incredible defensive effort. I do have concerns about whether that's like sustainable because it takes so much energy. Like they were running a lot. Everyone was running a lot. So that's like hard to expect them to do that constantly every game, but that might be what it's going to take. So, yeah. One thing to keep in mind is I think the Cavs are not as deep as the Knicks. Um, but the way this series is laid out, their best whole... five or their best five are better though. The Cavs. Yeah. Yeah, um, Cavs are more top-heavy for sure. I mean, they don't have the bench that the Knicks have, but... But the way this, um, the series is laid out from a scheduling perspective, I think it kind of helps the Cavs. You had a game one, you had two days off, and then you played Tuesday for game two, another two days off um, before game three. Now, there will only be the one day off before they play again on Sunday, but you know, then again, after that, game five, you're going to get two days off to rest. You can push your starters a little bit more when you're not, you know, having to play every other day. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of people have been frustrated, like, why does the first round take so long? And then you also get people who are upset 
you know, for tonight as we're recording this, like you know, the two most interesting series in the West, you got what Sacramento Golden State and then Phoenix and the Clippers. And it's like, why would you put those two games on at the same time? It's like, look, scheduling first round series is a nightmare because a, you've got eight of them that you need to, to play and B a lot of the cities and a lot of the buildings that are involved in these NBA playoff series also have NHL teams that need to get home games. I mean, you look at um, what do they call Staples center? Now the crypto arena or whatever you got there, the Lakers Clippers and the uh, NHL Kings um, all having to play home games. So trying to shoehorn all of them in, it's going to, you know, yeah, that's a weird one. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's a unique situation, but still, even still though, you got other cities. I mean, Denver's dealing with the nuggets and the avalanche. Boston's got the Celtics and Bruins Rangers and, uh, and Knicks at MSG. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you a single team that's definitively in the NHL playoffs. I only know all this because I looked it up. I, (laughs) <laughs> because you were thinking about this exact question well yeah it's just because i had seen so many people um complaining about the weirdness of some of the ways the the schedule has been laid out and i'm like i don't think they're doing it because they want to have it this way it's it's a situation of necessity more than anything and um you know i i do think in a weird way it's kind of helped out the Cavs because they can lean on on their guys a little you know their top guys a little more um, so, you know, hopefully that, that pays off, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's, it's interesting because the two games are so different, right? They played so bad in game one and they played so good in game two. Yeah. So let's hope that, that tomorrow looks a little bit more like the last game. Um, but to your hockey point, I haven't paid attention, paid any attention to hockey except that the Blue Jackets are really fucked up by like winning their second to last game of the year. I'm a little <laughs> yeah. salty about this. I knew the Jackets are uh, not in I'm the playoffs. Bit, I'm a little bit salty about this. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, there's a lottery, right? Maybe the. Uh... Well, they they if so, they were in the last place spot, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, they won the second to last game of the year. Okay. Which, may, which cut their odds of getting. They went from having like a twenty five percent chance to like an eleven and a half percent chance. You know what? Maybe karma will reward them for playing honest hockey. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, Gary Bettman uh, can get a frozen envelope in there for him. There's a kid. There's like I don't pay much attention to this, but there's a kid at the top of the draft that's like supposed to be one of those like generational guys. Like you really want the first pick. Mm. But anyways, no one cares about that. All right. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. All right. One other thing I wanted to touch on here 
um, the state of sports on TV, uh, specifically as it relates to the Cleveland sports fan. It was kind of interesting for me on Saturday. Um, I went out to uh, a local establishment and I met a couple friends to watch game one. Uh, the bar had uh, the, the Cavs game on ESPN on all the TVs. And at halftime, somebody there asked them to switch it over to Bally's instead because Bally's is carrying a bunch of these games as well. I don't think they're going to have the Sunday game. ABC's got exclusivity, whatever. Um, what a stark difference. Uh, I, I get it in terms of why folks might want to listen to, to Bally's. You get attached to your hometown announcers. You enjoy the Austin Carr shtick. I know this is probably something we've covered ad nauseum on here. Um, but first of all, you're in a bar, so you can't really hear the commentary anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, that's an interesting interesting thing for people to ask for. I'll and, be honest, I watched I watched the last game on Bally's only because I watched the first game on um, – on TNT, so I was being like, okay, I'm not going to watch the national one. I need to switch okay. the mojo around a little bit. All right. Well, you know, that, that's the that's, only reason. That's <laughs> more justifiable. Um, although you you missed out on some Kevin Harlan uh, highlight know, real material. Like, uh, I don't love that I did it, but like partway through the game, I was like, I should, no, I can't switch over. This is working. I can't do it. <laughs> I wanted to because I was like listening and I'm like, oh, this. Like I love Austin Carr, but yeah, I, but I'll you tell know, you what, where yeah. I get so frustrated by that local broadcast is just how much it is jam packed with advertising. Like I'm watching this thinking to myself, how the hell is Bally's going bankrupt? They, they have advertising everywhere. There, there were so many times down the stretch where the scoreboard would get taken off the screen so they could have the lower third covered by a, an ad. And I'm like, really? Now? We're going to do this now? Just, it it drove me nuts. Um, but, you know, the bigger picture here with regards to Bally Sports, and this is going to really be more of an issue, I think, for the Guardians this summer, is I don't know how much longer it's going to be around because... Uh, you know, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Bally missed a payment to the Guardians um, for their rights fees. As far as I know, I don't think that's been paid yet. And, you know, there's courts getting involved. And MLB has said that um, they're ready to step in, take back the rights. And MLB's big thing has been we want to you know, we will one way or another make sure that every game's available to TV viewers in, in, you know, your team's home market. So that's good. But what exactly that's going to look like, where you're going to be able to watch those games, is it going to be like MLB streaming? Um, I don't know. And it, right. it, it's a messy situation because, and I think a lot of people kind of discovered this on opening night, you know, Bally's, Clearly, they've had the big issues 
over the last few years. That's with, been a bumpy thing ever since they they so Sinclair bought all of these RSNs at probably the worst possible time because it was like right as the whole bubble was bursting for that model. I mean, cord cutting has accelerated and, you know, the the cable bundle is what has kept these regional sports networks afloat for all these years because every single cable subscriber is paying for those as part of their cable bill, whether they watch those channels or not. Now you're getting people cutting the cord and you don't have nearly the number of cable subscribers that you might have had five years ago. So that's cutting into, you know, how lucrative those RSNs are. And, you know, some of the cable operators are finding, you know, I, I, I'm a YouTube TV guy. You know, they had the big breakdown with Sinclair for, you know, the channels that became the Bally Sports I feel Network. like everyone has had a breakdown with them at some point. Well, yeah, I mean, because it was like Bally's um, and, and YouTube TV, Sling, um, they're off of there. Uh, you know, here in Cleveland, I think your options are basically either get Spectrum for, you know, good old school cable or DirecTV, whether it's, you know, the Dish DirecTV, not Dish Network because they don't have them, DirecTV Dish or... Um, the DirecTV streaming, whatever that's called. Um, so yeah, like every other operator has been like, you know, Bally's, I think they thought they were going to have all this leverage in these negotiations. Like it's unf- unfathomable that, you know, these cable companies can operate without us. And they're like, yeah, I bet. And they're doing fine. You know, I, yeah. I know like for me, at first it was like, this kind of sucks not having the, uh, the calves available on YouTube TV. I mean, I'll just tell you, I went out and bought uh, NBA League Pass. Now, those games are blacked out locally, but, you know, cough, cough, hey, look the other way. VPNs can solve a lot of problems, wink, wink. Um, (laughs) And honestly, like, I, I think I wouldn't do this for the Guardians, but for the quality of... And I know, like, League Pass has taken a lot of flack over the years. It took a little bit to get set up and get, uh, you know, situated the way I wanted it. But once I got it working after about a week into the season, first couple games, the the experience of having that is so much better to me as, like, a diehard, you know, Cavs fan, NBA fan. I am probably, even if it, like, I got Bally's again on YouTube, I think I would still keep getting League Pass just because it's so much better. Like, the the package I got has no commercials. So, like, every time they go to commercial break, you get to see what's going on in the arena, which is really cool. And you can see how many teams (laughs) all run, like, the same promotions during timeouts. Um, You get, uh, you know, I I noticed that when I was watching on on TV at the bar, I, I see, like, Bally's is putting a bunch of digital ads on the court. None of those show up on the league pass feed. You're getting every game. You can watch them on demand. Um, it's you get them on every platform. It, it's it's really good. Um, so I, I just I think streaming is where it's all going. Um, baseball is going to have its hands full here. Because, you know, I was starting to say before with with opening day, you know, whereas like the Cavs, you know, Bally's was advertising, you know, you can 
do our over-the-top service for, I think, $19.99 a month. You get Bally Sports, whatever the the channel is that shows the uh, the Cavs games. I don't think the Guardians are available on that because their contract with, you know, between the Guardians and, and Bally's predated the whole streaming deal. Like, they don't, like, Bally's doesn't have streaming rights, I don't think, for the Guardians in terms of, like, an over-the-top standalone service like that. So I think like a lot of people that subscribe to that thinking they were, you know, we don't need cable. We can just get this instead. I don't think they're getting those games for baseball. And that was like pissing a lot of people off. So, you know, baseball is going to have to work work that out with their future deals. I don't understand how, like, if they're not paying the Guardians, why can't the Guardians just like, Tell them to fuck off. Like, <laughs> like, like. Why do they? Why do they get to keep airing the games if they're not paying for them? Like, that's what I don't understand. Well, there, um, there is a grace period that you know you you missed your due date on your payment, but I feel we're like, going to give I you like, like fifteen days. I feel like it's been a, a while, right? Maybe the grace period hasn't passed, but I, I feel like I heard about the grace period quite a while ago. Yeah. And well, it's been different I with like. Be passed by now. Yeah, I mean, Bally's has had different payment due dates for all the different teams that it works with, um, and I, I think, and even like the way some of the deals are structured, like I know what's going on with the Guardians isn't necessarily the case for other teams, so it's not. And some of the other teams, like there's a handful of teams that are like part of this, and I think is it the Twins and the Guardians that are like the two that they haven't paid. They've been paying other teams. Well, yeah, I think those two are two of them. They're not the only two. I know the Reds are having an issue with them as well. Um, yeah, Bellies is involved with like a lot of pro sports teams. I mean, they they have. I also contracts. like that they're trying like the argument now that like, oh yeah, we don't think this deal's worth it anymore, so we don't. We're not going to pay it. That's not how it works. That's like that's that's one hundred percent not how things work. I, I let me let me see if I can try that with my uh, my right. mortgage. Right, um, exactly. I have a feeling Wells Fargo is going to say I don't think so. Um, yeah, it's it's a mess. So yeah, I mean, trying to untangle all of bold these different strategy. deals. Yeah, it's bold a bold strategy, strategy cotton. Um, it's, yeah, so. I, it's it's such a weird thing like and you don't think about it as much like I think we always just kind of took for granted the fact that okay Guardians are on TV or Cavs are on whatever I don't think you ever think like what if the company running these is completely incompetent at like the business side of it Yeah, what happens then um, and we'll find out pretty soon one way yeah. or another yeah I just I, I think there is a seismic change happening in the way sports are being broadcast and it's affecting every level of sports broadcasting and it's happening a lot faster i think than anybody even people in the industry would have anticipated and the other other really quick the other thing that i think is sort of interesting we've talked about this in the past they're like their present deal when it was originally signed Seemed great, but very quickly it started to look like 
they maybe didn't get as much as they could have, right? Like the as Guardians? Started, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, it, it was like when it first happened, it was like, okay, cool. Like that sounds good. But pretty quickly, other teams were signing theirs shortly after. And it was like, well, we didn't get as much as maybe we should have. I think we're learning now, like, they're not going to get more. Like, if they, if whenever the time comes and they need to renegotiate, like, if Bally's looking at it right now and saying, this team is one that, like, we're losing money on. Right. They're probably not, like, for all those people who think, like, oh, and the next time they renegotiate, they're going to get a, a bunch of money and they'll be able to, you know, sign some more free agents or whatever if you're still holding out hope for that. Like, that's probably not going to be the case. One, because of what we're seeing specific to the Guardians here, but two, because of what we're seeing just in general across the board. Yeah, it's just that's, that's I think, where baseball's headed is it's mm-hmm. going to be, and sports are headed. It's it's a completely different model. And I, I just, I don't think those regional sports networks are long for this world. And, you know, you 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 could see it even on the, uh, on the national level as well. I mean, look at what the NFL is doing now. I mean, you've got Thursday night football on Amazon prime, whereas a couple years ago it was on Fox. So, I mean, it, it, it started as like, I think a, a cable exclusive. It became a broadcast thing. Now it's on a streaming platform and this coming NFL season, there's going to be a black Friday game in like like three in the afternoon or something like that the day after Thanksgiving and it's going to be on Amazon and you know one of the things that the NFL's talking about right now you got the flex scheduling for Sunday night it's coming to Monday night football as well they're working on trying to get that for Thursday night you know because they want as many marquee games in you know every prime time slot that they have and you know, you look at um you know, some of the deals that baseball's made already. I mean, they used to have multiple games of the week on ESPN, multiple, you know, different nights of the week. Now, I think the only thing ESPN has Major League Baseball-wise during the regular season is just Sunday night baseball. They're not showing any games during the week anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, instead, baseball's got a deal with Apple TV, so, you know, if you've got like the Apple TV streaming service, you're they're they're on there. They've got one with um uh Peacock. I think it's like what those Sunday morning games or whatever. Uh, Guardians had a couple the of those last year. It's the one oh. Um like an eleven AM yeah. start for some of those yeah, games yeah, yeah, yeah. on yeah, Sundays. Weird. Yeah. yeah. So I mean again, that's another streaming service. So like and then, you know, uh MLS, that's got um, they're, they're, I think like their entire TV deal now is all Apple TV. Um, and then like the NHL, they're on ESPN plus. So, I mean, just right there, if you want to be watching all this stuff, you need to have ESPN plus, you need to have Amazon prime, you need to have Peacock, you need to have Apple TV and there are still games on linear television. And, you know, the NBA is not that far away from negotiating their next national TV deals and there's already talk about them trying to put together a, another package for streaming. So um, I, I, I think in some respects, it's going to be cool to, to have access to more games um, in some of these unique platforms. But the flip side of that is for the consumer, unless you're 
sharing accounts with your family, <laughs> um, it could get really expensive really fast because those days of just having all the games on your cable package are quickly mm-hmm. going away. Yeah, and like, I'll admit, like, I don't have cable. I haven't paid for any sort of TV service. I pay mm-hmm. for a lot, quite a few streaming services. And yeah, I just watch because I use my parents' login on Pally's app. Um, I can't, like, I can't imagine a scenario where I would pay for cable now if I wasn't going to get Cavs and Guardians games. Yeah. It would make no sense for me. And if they're moving more and more off of cable, like, that's, that's going to be a tough sell for, like, a lot of people. But, yeah, it's, they're spreading it out so much that, you used to just be able to turn on the TV. Like right. it's, it's such a drastic change and I'm not opposed to in general using these different avenues. I'm not one of those people who's like, ah, I don't know where to find it because it's on this app and how do I download an app? Like that's one of the things that always cracks me up is when I see people on Twitter complaining about how they can't find the app that has whatever <laughs> thing on it. It's like, okay, we've been using smart TVs for a fucking decade now. Like, if you can't figure it out, right? Uh, like, that's a bigger problem than the fact that they're using it. If you can um, figure out how to be on Twitter, you can figure that right, out. Right, um, right, exactly. It's relatively simple. But yeah. the, the challenge is that there's so many of them. Right. And, like, yeah, like, it's hard for me to justify 10 bucks for Peacock and 15 for Netflix and who knows, you know, I don't even, Apple TV, I think, is 10 bucks. Like, all of those add up pretty quickly. And... For some of them, it's like the question starts to become, okay, if, you know, there's a couple games for my team on here, but if I miss one game for my team and I miss, you know, a few for other other teams, I'm, I'm thinking more from the NFL perspective, um, is it worth it for me to pay 10 bucks or just my one game that's actually on this network in, you know, a month or whatever it is? Right. And that's where it becomes a little bit of a challenge. It's like people are just going to be like, yeah, I'll follow it. I don't think people are just going to flat out stop watching games. Um, but they're going to maybe watch less of the games. They're going to watch both less and fewer. They'll stop watching early because it's like, a, you know, they'll go somewhere and watch. Maybe they go to a bar because the bar is going to have it on or whatever. It's, that's another thing I don't really know. And you might know the answer to this. With all these streaming apps, are bars able to just get them like they used to be? I don't know. Um, Football, yes. There's a uh, they, they worked out NFL worked out a separate deal for bars and restaurants to carry okay. Thursday night football. Okay, but that's still that probably is a bit of a pain in the ass using it on an app. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's neither here nor there. It's it's it starts to become a question of whether you know you used to be able to just have a couple channels that. 99% of people got if you had cable you got all of the channels that the games were on yeah and so they'd watch a lot of them right they consume a lot of them as they become more cumbersome and more expensive to watch will people watch less well not to mention i mean besides the cost factor which obviously is a big big deal just not the user right the user experience on it you know it's there's something hit, hit last channel on your remote yeah there's something quaint yeah. and charming about being yeah. able to just flip back and forth between a couple channels and it's a lot easier to do that than it is to be flipping back and forth between apps oh yeah you know yeah 100 percent. like i don't mind i don't mind the app experience in general but like 
yeah, if I want to, if I'm watching something that's on, you know, if I'm watching CBS and I want to switch to the Fox game, that feels like a bit of a chore if I'm watching yeah. both of them on an app. Like, and I guarantee you that's part of the math on this for Amazon. They know they've got a captive audience on those Thursday night games. Cause like, whereas old Thursday night football on Fox game goes to commercial, you're going to flip, you know, one other channel, go see whatever's going on on ESPN with whatever college games going on or whatever else. But like, are you going to feel like doing that at every time out? If you're watching it on a streaming app, you finally uh-huh. got the feed looking the way you want it to. And you know, no more buffering. You're going to leave it alone. Well, guess what? You're getting served a whole bunch of commercials now. So, yeah. yeah, that's one of the things like I've, I've taken to use watching a lot more. Um, I got a digital antenna, so I'm picking up a lot more over the air. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that I can watch games on CBS and like before I had to pay for Paramount um, because the CBS app doesn't stream live local shows um, for free. So I had to pay for CBS local, which is mind blowing. Um, And Fox, like you can stream through the app, but I'd I'd still rather watch it. I think the other thing that's, I think this will eventually sort of wear out, but um, we've had this, we've been on both sides of this, you and I watching games together um, via text where one of us is streaming yep. and a minute and a, a minute and a half behind the other person. <laughs> like the delay is, is, is noticeable and significant. So it's hard to watch a game with someone else who's, you know, ahead of you. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, can I hit send yet? Can I hit send yet? Oh, hundred percent. Let someone else do it. And like, that takes away, that's, that kind of sucks too. Like it's it not does. Something I never really thought about until, you know, the last few years, like seeing it happen in, in place, like there's people are watching games at home. You've made the TV experience so good. So friends are like shooting the shit and like, you know, I've you're two and a half hours away from me. So it's like, yeah, I still want to talk to you and, and watch. I'm doing air quotes here. Watch the game with you, but it's not as easy to do anymore because I have to be cognizant of the fact that if I tell you that this thing just happened and I go nuts, you're just sitting there watching the game waiting for that thing to happen and it it decreases your experience like i hate that aspect of it it's something that's gotten like more and more annoying to me over time um and i don't know there's like no real solution to it but um and little things like that i think if if just are just sort of a a small like side effect but also noticeable to the fan oh yeah and and now you can add on another layer to that with live betting here in Ohio, where, you know, like I was kind of blowing my dad's mind with this when we were watching an NFL playoff game a couple months ago, you know, because I could like tell him, oh, yeah, they're going to they're not converting this third down. He's like, how did you know that? And I'm like, well, because the live betting line already just shifted um, uh, by, you know, it went from plus 250 to plus 300 or whatever. Um, yeah. Because, like, the books are so far ahead of you know, the streaming services. I, I, I think streaming is probably the slowest out of all of them. And I'm pretty sure your over-the-air antenna is the fastest of everything. That's the closest. Yeah, over-the-air over is the closest to live. Yeah. So, um, you know. It's weird because different apps have noticeably different delays i personally think espn is like the most delayed of the apps but yeah that might just be because my friends are texting the most during college football okay. and ohio state's always on espn um so not like for I, long 
no, right? That's another can of worms. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's the whole landscape has completely shifted. And I think it's, there is, like you mentioned, I don't even know that it's quaint. I think it's just more, it's just an overall better experience when I can just know that, okay, I'm watching it, like you mentioned, as close to live as possible. And I don't have to sit there and wait for it to load and buffer and find the right game in the menu for the app and know which app I'm looking in. And after it loads, you know, maybe it occasionally there's a delay and stuff. And then logging back into the app because you haven't been on it in two months. Yeah. uh, All that stuff is a mess. And let me tell you what I've really grown to hate, which sounds insane. I want commercials because I am so sick of the generic screen with random music playing that says your game is in a commercial. (laughs) I've never wanted commercials more. Well, Trav, we want to see you in a Ken Ganley Kia. I don't even care. (laughs) I'll take anybody, right? Like, give me the fucking general if you want. I don't care. (laughs) I'll take it all. Give me the general. Give me um, Garfield 1, 2, 3, 2, 3. I don't care. Bring back all the hits. I am so sick of the generic, like, pause. Like, I feel like I'm on hold. I have that, like, creepy, you know, that creepy Cisco music. Yes. See, this you know, is why you, you know, need YouTube TV because when yeah. they get through their commercial inventory and they've got to fill time during a commercial break before a game comes back, they do what they call a moment of zen, where it's just like some nature scene. <laughs> and I it's like it's the most. And you can go on Reddit. There are people that have been asking for years for YouTube TV to just make a moment of zen channel. They're like, I want that to be a full time channel that I can just turn on in the background when I'm working or trying to go to sleep or something like that. So, yeah, it's, it, I know exactly what you're talking about, though. Like ESPN's they got also one. rerun a ton of them. Yeah, like they're I'll hear the same commercial three times in one commercial break sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's a work in progress. Um, but hey, aren't we all progress faster? <laughs> Please. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we said we were going to keep it short, and as I'm looking at the clock here, we've uh, we've gone for an we hour, so we are right we back in midseason form. All right, that's what I like to hear. Yeah, good, good stuff. Well, hopefully, it's not another ten months uh, until we do another one of these. But uh, it's been good getting back into it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, buddy. You know, we can uh, we can look forward to watching the Cavs this week on, on good old fashioned ABC, uh, both games Friday night and Sunday afternoon will be on there. So, um, hopefully that'll simplify things for everybody. You just go to, you know what else I find myself yelling around my house all the time lately. What's that is, is the old come on Cavs got to make it happen. (laughs) Come on Cavs. My wife wants to stab me in the eye. I'm pretty sure. But she put up our flag the other day. I came home, picked up our kid at daycare, came home, and she had put up the flag in the front of our house that I could not find. And ever since I saw that, I just spent the whole night yelling that around the house, getting Teddy pumped up, and she's staring at me like, what is wrong with you? Um, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> what Right. What, what kind of monster have I created? Um, they need to bring that song back. I would play the shit out of that song. Well, we'll uh, we'll pass that on. I know, to the, uh... I know that everybody loves round ball rock, and that's that's the cool thing. 
for the record also, you and I were way ahead of the curve on how great round ball rock is. It became this thing where like everybody felt like they needed to tell you that they love it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that's... Like, yeah. I didn't hear you saying this a couple of years ago. It's just like this trendy thing now that, that you want to be part of the team. And I'm, I'm also annoyed that Fox has co-opted it for college basketball and uh, AEW wrestling was using it for a while to what? hype up one of their, uh, they had this best of seven series between uh, a couple of tag teams and to like hype all the matches for that. They were using round ball rock. I'm like, that's that's horrible. We, we, we I, to, I don't. We need to exercise a little discretion here. That's that, that. There's a time and a place for round ball rock, and it's the NBA on NBC. So you know what's what's hilarious though is my wife doesn't know round ball rock at all, really, um, but she knows the SNL skit because I've made her watch that. <laughs> and so when she finally heard it on TV, she's like, "Oh, this is that blah 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 basketball." I'm like yeah, that's the one. <laughs> That's the I, one. I had the same conversation with my wife about a month ago. It's, that's beautiful. Uh, full circle. <laughs> there full it is. Circle. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for us here as a reminder, uh, since it's been a while, um, you could subscribe to the nail in the coffin on Apple podcasts, Spotify. Oh God. I don't even know where else we are. We're on uh, waiting for next year.com. And uh, we've got uh, all our old episodes on the nailpodcast.com as well. If you still got us saved in uh, your podcast app and uh, we're pleasantly surprised to find us uh, with a new episode today, um, appreciate you listening. Uh, it's good for us to be back. Uh, we appreciate you sticking with us. And uh, for every one of you who has asked us, hey, are you guys ever going to do this again? Um I know, Trav, you said you've gotten questions like that. I've gotten those as well. And uh, it I, I, it means a lot. I, I like hearing that. It, um, you know, somebody out there is listening. So um, <laughs> that is, uh, that's encouraging. Um, you know. Uh, Keep good. listening. Yes. We'll be back. Thank you. We will. We will. But in the meantime, for Travis Uli, Tom Valentino, it's been the nail in the coffin, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on.